0: Welcome to the DNVGL Talks Energy podcast series. Electrification, rise of renewables and new technologies supported by more data and IT systems are transforming the power system. Join us each week as we discuss these changes with guests from around the industry. Welcome to a new episode of DNVGL Talks Energy. Our guest today is Brianna Welsh, Vice President and Head of Asia, Syndicate Syndicatum Blockchain Technologies. Welcome, Brianna.
1: Thank you, Matthias.
0: Brianna, we want to talk about uh, the impact of new technologies in the renewable and and energy sector today. But before we do this, it would be great if you could introduce uh, Syndicatum blockchain technologies and yourself a little bit.
1: Um, So my name is Brianna. I'm originally from Canada, have lived in Singapore now for two years, working for Syndicatum Sustainable Resources, which is a um, renewable energy investor and developer. We have assets across Asia, mostly in developing markets. But I was actually hired to start a company called Syndicate and Blockchain Technologies, which owns the Renewum Institute, which is a nonprofit subsidiary focused on using blockchain as a certification and trading platform for renewable energy certificates.
0: And Brianna, and Blockchain Technologies uses the term using tech for good. What do you mean about that?
1: Well, that's actually a personal term that I, that I use regularly. Uh, I believe in the power of innovation and technology to democratize, decentralize, and enable access to a good cohort of the world that is not already taking advantage or capitalizing on the rush to renewable energy. So that's a personal mission. In terms of Renewum's mission, or Syndicate on Blockchain Technologies, we are trying to enable uh, buyers to use their buying power. And by buyers, I mean multinational corporations who consume energy to drive investment into renewables and to uh, encourage sustainable practices. So we do that by offering uh, renewable energy powered developers an additional revenue stream that then encourages new developers to come into the market and enables the buyers to uh, facilitate capital flows.
0: So, looking at uh, distributed ledger technology, and blockchain as a technology as a whole, how would this impact the energy sector and is empowering consumers and incumbent organizations?
1: I think the best approach for blockchain or the best use of blockchain is to enable new business models in the renewables and climate space. So incumbents in traditional business processes in energy and power has been traditionally run by um, monopolistic organizations, usually centralized and bureaucratic. Uh, in a unilateral flow of uh, consumption, which basically means that one or two big businesses control the entire industry. Typically, this is consistent across all countries. And consumers have no real influence or control over how they consume, at what price, at what time. And I think uh, blockchain enables through its decentralized features a whole new uh, consideration of this paradigm, I think, of the energy sector. So we're considering now for the first time ever in the last maybe two years, how we can re-envision what the power sector should really look like and rebuild it from the bottom up, not just from the top down. So an example of that would be, I think we're seeing a lot in the peer-to-peer microgrid space. Uh, There's quite a few companies out there that are uh, operating Successful Pilots, um, Power Ledger based out of Australia, uh, LO3 Energy at out of Brooklyn. They are doing a lot of interesting work by creating what's called a microgrid, which enables uh, the concept of a prosumer. A prosumer is a, a producer and a consumer at the same time. And so it enables uh, individuals to empower their own consumption and to profit off of you know, using a, a solar power on their rooftop, for example, selling that power, if they have any excess power, selling that back to either the grid or to a neighbor and profiting off of it themselves. Additionally, it allows for a more stable grid because in the event that there is a, a rush in demand or there is a power outage or there is instability in the grid, that little tiny community that's powered together by these individual prosumers can actually disconnect itself from the grid. So it's an autonomously functioning feature that is entirely done automatically through a blockchain program or a smart contract.
0: So Brianna, um, expanding on this, I'd like to talk a bit about the scalability of these solutions. If we talk about PowerLedge and LS3 Energy, which are really good solutions, they are um, kind of limited in in, in scale on on the location. If we look into the future um, of the energy industry, you think that blockchain will be able to kind of help us optimize really the system on, on, on a bigger level, like on a country level, for example.
1: I think there's various different applications for the blockchain technology, and I don't necessarily think it is a one-size-fits-all approach, nor is it going to be a solution for every problem. So where we see well-functioning, highly advanced societies uh, operating grids currently, I don't necessarily think it will be as impactful as it will be in some more developing regions or island nations or uh, regions that are not currently connected whatsoever. I think that's where we're going to see the real scalability um, benefits. Um, There's quite a few companies, including Impact PPA in India and in the Philippines, that are using distributed technologies, which basically means you don't have to lay traditional transmission lines. You don't have to get significant infrastructure capital investment like you would have had to in the traditional power development system. And that's where I see the scalability potential. I, I don't really think that it has as much applicability in, let's call it the United States, for example, for well-functioning grids. The only area I see it being really valuable there would be the integration of renewable energy. So the integration of intermittent sources like solar and wind because it actually enables a more automated approach to connecting in the event that a solar or wind power is not, you know, it's not sunny or it's not windy, then it can trigger an automatic signal to a traditional grid system. So using fossil fuel sources to to kick in when they are down. So that's where, you know, that's where I see it being really valuable in a more a more developed economy, but certainly, I think long term, we're going to see a lot more disruption or innovation in the regions that are just coming on to renewables or just getting electrified now.
0: Other areas uh, where blockchain is useful is, for example, uh, the trading of uh, renewable energy certificates or carbon certificates. Um, But there's also a good opportunity, obviously, and I think you mentioned it briefly, about helping financing renewable energy projects going forward with the energy transition will require large investments. So how do you foresee what role can blockchain play there, maybe also get other types of investors into the mix?
1: Well, where I see the blockchain being most valuable here is incentivizing new investment and enabling smaller investors to participate in uh, raising capital. So traditionally, renewables or even traditional fossil fuel investment has been the exclusive domain of institutional investors, big development banks and lenders and so forth. We haven't really seen a lot of accredited investors, family offices, smaller funds getting involved because the ticket size is just too is too large for them and the risk profile is not, is not in their appetite. So what we're seeing with, uh, with blockchain is the ability to use cryptocurrencies to tokenize investment at a smaller scale. So instead of 50 or $20 million, we're looking at five, 500 or 100,000, which obviously opens up the floor to a lot of new players. So I, I'm quite interested in seeing that continue and um, observing how we can use the crypto economics to incentivize new players. It also enables liquidity in that market because when you have a smaller market of, of investors that are accredited by that platform, um, there's a company in Hong Kong called All Infra that's doing this quite effectively right now. You actually create a micro market so the investors themselves can attain liquidity much, fa- much faster, um, maybe five or 10 years instead of 20 year time horizons. And this, you know, obviously is more attractive again for smaller players because they, their funds require, you know, more immediate returns. So that's one, one really interesting way. I think the other thing that I'm quite interested in seeing is where maybe they don't have the, the KYC or the, uh, the security, the risk profile that large investors are, are typically attracted to. Let's say the off taker of power is not an accredited buyer or their credit risk is quite low. There's ways to use blockchain to actually uh, store all of the transaction data to, to create credit history and to keep that public so that investors on a global scale can can feel very confident that their offtakers are stable and liquid and that they will continue to pay their debts as long as they're due.
0: So we have quite a few applications out there already, which are successful. And you are certainly connected to quite a few of those. Could you give us a few successful case studies, just as examples and to understand better how that how that really works?
1: I mentioned All Infra in Hong Kong, which is using uh, securities tokens to democratize investment into renewable development pre-construction. Uh, WePower based, I believe in either Estonia or Lithuania, is doing something quite similar. And actually the token that they are selling pre-construction goes towards either ownership uh, of that asset long term that can be sold as a traditional asset sale. Or it goes towards a discounted rate on electricity prices if a consumer wishes to purchase. And this technology actually opens the floor to investment on a much smaller scale on a consumer basis. So we're talking, you know, a few thousand dollars, not hundreds of thousands. So now we're including small scale consumers, which have never been uh, available or has never been available for, uh, for investment.
0: If we talk about blockchain, there's great hopes and you have given us some great examples already. Some people say it may become a general purpose technology, something like electricity or the Internet. But at the same time, we also hear some criticism that blockchain is overhyped. What would be your take on this and, and why is that?
1: Well, with respect to the power sector, I think the problem that we're going to see and that we are currently experiencing with integrating blockchain is that, as I alluded earlier, The power sector was never designed with decentralization at its core. So, when you're integrating a decentralized technology, it requires a fundamental rethinking of the the flows of energy, of the management of systems, of management of data, of security of data and privacy. You know, you start to consider all of these elements that are just kind of taken for granted in the current system. So, I think that's one area where power is going to f- going to struggle at least with respect to incumbent organizations like utilities and big power developers. With respect to the actual technology and where it's overhyped, I mean, the big problems we're seeing is that blockchain is an application. It is not a business. So it needs to be applied to a business that has successful you know, outputs or successful um, long-term strategy. And I think the rush to cryptocurrency in, in 2017 early 2018 put a sour taste in a lot of people's mouth with respect to blockchain although fundamentally they are different they are different businesses while crypto uses blockchain as a platform blockchain is a separate application altogether and I think we have to consider what does it mean to become a blockchain company and so when you're integrating blockchain you have to be very sure that the data that you're using the data you're storing is is good data it is quality and it's accurate because ultimately when you're taking any information from a physical hard you know hardware device or a you know paper market and putting that into a digital format that's being secured that's permanent and so if the data is incorrect then it's permanently incorrect And that's a problem that in the blockchain industry, we're calling garbage in, garbage out, which is something that I think a lot of businesses have actually overlooked already. So that's one area where I think we we have to be very clear about how we use it and very cognizant of its core features and its uh, deficiencies as well. I think separately, it's not a standalone solution. It needs to be integrated with other technologies. I think IoT devices are going to increase as a result of blockchain. They really help with the physical uh, assets being transferred onto blockchain, which we call off-chain to on-chain. I think using sensors, so monitoring uh, the the stability of the grid using sensors, monitoring uh, power plants themselves, will continue to advance the, the blockchain's success. And then lastly, I think how we analyze big data and our storage capacities on the cloud, these are all going to be offshoots of blockchain success, but also deeply integrated in the business. And that's where I think, you know, we have to be very conscious of how we're applying blockchain.
0: Brianna, another area of uh, sometimes criticism is that uh, creating the blocks, the mining of the blocks, uh, consumes quite a lot of energy. Um, so you may have a comment on that. And, and secondly, Could you give us examples how blockchain could help actually to reduce CO2 emissions?
1: To the point on the energy consumption of Bitcoin, I'm sure many of you have seen the numerous headlines out in the media. Bitcoin uses, uh, you know, X percentage of energy more than insert country name here. And that is definitely true. I mean, I believe when Bitcoin first came out, it was using 57 terawatt hours of energy, which is actually more than, I believe, the country of Thailand. So it is quite an extensive consumer of energy. But the way that Bitcoin consumes energy is through the process of mining, which is a proof of work consensus algorithm that um, incentivizes multiple players to participate in the validation of data, and this is great for a currency that needs to be totally decentralized where there is no uh, manager of that data. With respect to a corporate company's application, it's not quite as necessary. So the energy sector where data is already owned usually by a company as opposed to consumers or individuals, a more appropriate consensus mechanism called the proof of authority is being employed now. So the Energy Web Foundation, which is one of the pioneers of this technology, has built their own proprietary blockchain as a competitor of Ethereum to um, to use this algorithm and this mechanism to validate data using a couple of key uh, authorities. So I believe they use about 20 different individual companies uh, who are responsible for validating the data. And... Their reputation is at stake. So, if they were to manipulate any information or uh, fraudulently claim the, a factual transaction, they would be called out in the public sphere and their reputation would be at risk. And so, there's a very high incentive to actually be acting in good faith here. So, with respect to that, that process is quite uh, energy-unintensive, and therefore it's somewhat immaterial in terms of uh, its, its use of energy. I think separately, I don't see any reason why Bitcoin miners or Ethereum miners cannot use renewable energy-powered um, energy to mine. So if they were to consume um, you know, only electricity that came from solar and wind, then there's really no problem with it being energy-intensive. I know of a company called Saluna, I think it's based out of Morocco, that has built their own data mining center for Bitcoin specifically that has a wind farm attached to it that powers all of their mining. So I think that's a really good example of how we can integrate renewables with Bitcoin and various other cryptocurrencies going forward. To your second point, how uh, blockchain can be employed on a commercial level to reduce CO2 emissions, we're seeing quite a few different examples here outside of the renewable energy space specifically. One of them would be in the carbon tracking and uh, nationally determined contributions monitoring and accountability, um, which, are, which are goals and targets set by countries uh, for the Paris Accord. And this enables transparency and and full accountability for any reduction in CO2 emissions, uh, transition to renewable energy, reforestation projects, whatever it is that they're investing in for their reduction or their transfer of of CO2. And this way, it makes this data totally public so that uh, they are completely accountable. So that's a really easy way to use blockchain, I think, to, um, to incentivize carbon or CO2 emissions reduction. Secondly, there's a company based here in Singapore called the Global Mangrove Trust, which is using uh, the blockchain technology to incentivize investment into reforestation of mangroves. Uh, Mangroves are a very vulnerable little plant that line coastlines and protect against things like typhoons and monsoons and particularly grow in tropical areas that are most at risk to climate change. So this is very important to be uh, investing in and, uh, and the blockchain enables tracking and incentivization for either consumers or corporate companies to participate.
0: Thank you very much. Those were very interesting examples. I have uh, one uh, final question for you, Brianna. Um, What is syndicate on blockchain technology doing to harness the new collective focus on climate emergency to progress the energy transition?
1: According to the IPCC, we have just over a decade to color addiction to fossil fuels and to completely transition into a renewable powered economy. So my personal view would be that we need to find a way to incentivize new investment and to reduce the barriers to climate finance. So Renewum Syndicate Blockchain Technologies, is um, helping to, to drive additional investment into the renewable space uh, using its blockchain platform by enabling uh, power developers and and renewable providers to capitalize on what they call the monetization of environmental attributes. So it's a lot of jargon, I know, but it basically just means that they are profiting off of the greenness of their energy. And uh, we are opening up a market for voluntary consumers and buyers. So big companies who are looking to focus on sustainability and to drive their renewable energy consumption. And trying to create a global and liquid market for the first time. So by offering additional revenue stream to renewable providers and increasing um, the appetite to even develop and by helping buyers um, and easing the, the, the pain associated with buying these, these credits or these certificates, we are helping to, to drive, you know, new investments in climate finance into the space.
0: Thank you very much for these interesting insights, Brianna, and thank you very much for listening. That was Brianna Welsh, Vice President and Head of Asia, Syndicatum Blockchain Technologies.
1: Great, thank you, Matthias. It was nice to speak with you.
0: Thank you for listening to this DNVGL Talks Energy Podcast. To hear more podcasts in the series, please visit DNVGL.com slash talksenergy.